Truth Espresso, episode 99. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hey there, friends. This is Daniel Minnick, the host of Truth Espresso, and welcome to this seasonal episode where we celebrate Mother's Day and motherhood. You know, in our culture today, there seems to be a war on motherhood, and that's what this episode is about, examining the cultural war on motherhood. And we'll compare it to what the Bible says and about motherhood and the way God has designed the family to have a mother and a father and children. And men and women can take uh, different but complementary roles. Now, I know people can go too far with that kind of thing. I'm not saying that men and women do entirely different things. I'd say there is a plenty of overlap here, but there are biological differences which naturally end up resulting in special things that only a mother can provide for children and for the father. And so in celebrating Mother's Day, we we're kind of going to look at what motherhood is not. According to the world, there's a lot of people in the world that despise motherhood and I have a special guest for this episode of Truth Espresso. And what other special guest could I have for an episode to talk about motherhood than my own dear sweet wife, Chelsea, returning to Truth Espresso? Welcome back to Truth Espresso. Thank you, and thank you for your sweet words, babe. Yes, and so Chelsea, as a mother of four beautiful children, I think you can speak to the issue of motherhood and what it means to be a mother. Now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, just some preliminary information here that um, I would like to say that I am not a patriarch in the stereotypical way. I, When some people might say, a woman's place is in the home, I'm not one of those people that would just champ the idea of putting the ball and chain on a woman and, you know, say that a woman must be a wife and a mother and must be chained to the home and barefoot and pregnant, you know, all those stereotypes like that, you know, I believe that women should have a lot of freedom to choose their route in life. And I would say that men and women do have a lot of equality in certain respects, especially when they're single. And I have no problem with a woman wanting to be single, you know, as long as she can, or even her whole life, as the Apostle Paul says at 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 2, he says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman answering a question about is it okay for people to remain single. So just as it's okay for a man to be single, it's okay for a woman to be single. And verse 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So it is perfectly within Christianity for some people to live single lives and others to get married and some marriage people to have children, and each of those lifestyles are condoned by the Bible. The only issue, of course, is that couples love each other, as uh, the Bible prescribes, and commit to each other, and, and those who have children should care for them and not ignore them. And if married couples have no children intentionally, they shouldn't do things that kill children in the womb. So just those provisos, uh, according to the Bible, you know, I'm not one to say that every woman must look to be a mother or a wife or a mother and must, you know, have no career goals. I'm 
perfectly fine with a woman wanting to strive for a career in pretty much any field that a, a man could have a career with, you know, within reason. <laughs> um, so what do you think, sweetheart? I mean, <laughs> is, uh, you know, do you think like all women must, you know, have it as their goal to be mothers and stay at home and not have any kind of career aspirations? <laughs> Well, I was going to try and interject earlier that, yes, I am definitely thankful that I married the right man <laughs> because uh-huh. you um, are really good about supporting me and just the different endeavors that I want to pursue and that God has laid on my heart to pursue. And I think that's very rare to find in men these days that they appreciate women for being women and not expecting them to be exclusively career women or exclusively women at home and that there's a good balance there in just helping um, your wife or your loved one to find that balance I think is extremely important and you do a great job with that so thank you and and to regards to your question I do think that, like you said, men and women are different, but in ways that complement each other and in some ways expecting women to fit into a man's area of um, work or expectations similar to what society expects of men puts a lot of pressure on women and actually suppresses them because we're different than you. But that's what makes us valuable. That's what makes us unique. And that's what makes us complement each other as husband and wife, as man and woman, and how we can raise our children as a father and mother. Amen, they're sweethearts. So recognizing that there are biological differences between men and women that ultimately results in husbands and wives and fathers and mothers taking some different roles in the nuclear family um, with regard to work and children. But that doesn't mean that there is any kind of hardline rule that says that a woman can't work or even that in some cases a father can't stay home. It all depends on the factors of the jobs, that the careers that they end up pursuing and the mutual agreement that they have together. I am all in favor of that. I have no qualms against that, even the situations where you might have a full-time mom and a stay-at-home dad. You know, it's, it's all about whether the husband and wife love each other and agree to such things. So there are differences that that naturally end up tailoring to different situations where more often than not, you'll have wives working or mothers working possibly part-time or being stay-at-home moms versus dads working part-time and being stay-at-home dads. So I'm letting biology and the design of God control how that turns out and not some kind of law coming from the top down to dictate what must be. And so I think that that is a perhaps a balanced and biblical approach kind of in the middle as opposed to, say, you know, like a radical patriarchal position on one side and a radical feminist position on the other side. So what I want to get into now is to look at, with all of that said and our understanding of individual choices and allowances thereof, uh, the war on motherhood, and Chelsea and I believe that motherhood is a very precious role that God has designed as evidenced by um, the biology that he has created us with and the bond between mothers and children and societies grow and are healthy as the family unit is healthy according to the way God has designed things. But there is a cultural war on motherhood and as we look at some some of the words from some of the uh, champions of the feminist movement against the traditional role of motherhood and, and how motherhood just tends to naturally work out, they think that uh, motherhood almost is like a, a design from the patriarchy to enslave women and keep and hold them back from being equal with men and having rewarding careers. 
So the first point, the first question I'd like to ask is, is motherhood an obstacle holding back women's freedom and equality? So in answer to this, let me ask uh, another question. Is motherhood really a choice? (laughs) What I would say is that if people hold to Christian principles of men and women, uh, if we hold to Christian principles of abstinence before marriage, uh, marriage and commitment and a Christian view of the family, they tend to be the freest to choose whether to prepare for and embrace motherhood or not. Because when we abandon Christian principles of treating marriage as sacred, we end up with things like teenage girls that have children out of wedlock that they weren't expecting, and we end up with difficult situations, or married couples who don't really think things through from a Christian perspective of valuing children and planning children, ending up with children and then thinking of children as just obstacles toward their own life's goals— But if we have Christian principles, you end up with women being freer. So I think it's interesting your word usage there, babe, because that is kind of the slogan for the feminist uh, liberal side of things that they are promoting choice and freedom. And when you look at it, it's actually enslaving women more because we have um, the promotion of birth control and abortion and they think this is freeing women but actually it's enslaving them and making them even more vulnerable to objectification. Yes, exactly, sweetheart. It's like the cry of the feminist movement is that being a wife or a mother or even, I mean, It's not to say that we don't agree that plenty of women have been objectified by selfish men. (laughs) You know, I do not want to downplay it. There wouldn't be a feminist movement if there weren't some truth to some of their claims that there are radical patriarchal men who treat women like dirt, like doormats, and there are criminal men who take advantage of women for their own self-interests, you know, there are those type of people. And so, you know, feminists can have a point when they point that out, but then it's like, we ask the question, well, what is the solution that you're offering? And is it really the proper solution? Are you identifying what really is the problem? Or are you lumping in nature and God's design into the problem and making that as if it's part of the problem when it really isn't? Another thing I was thinking of that we should point out too, babe, is that there are a lot of couples that do follow God's plan for abstinence before marriage and they get married and they desire to have children. But because we live in a fallen world and we do have sickness and disease or even unexplainable genetic issues, sometimes people are not able to conceive or have the family that they desired. And so just thinking of those people too, that it's not guaranteed that if you follow what God has designed for marriage and for family, that that automatically says you're going to have five kids and no problems. (laughs) Unfortunately, because of sin, we do see that that is an issue. And um, thankfully, there are a lot of options to help families in that situation. So just wanted to put that out there. Yes, that's yes, definitely. That's a that's a good point. Because yeah, motherhood in the uh, biological sense, definitely, as we say that it's a choice. But yeah, not everyone can choose to be a mother and end up a mother because of those issues of infertility, not being able to bear children, even if you want them. And thank God for um, adoption agencies that allow people to become mothers, even if they can't have their own children. So I want to look at a quote from an article entitled, It's Okay to Aspire to Motherhood Over a Career by Faith Moore, uh, March 8, 2019. And Faith says, quote, If all you've ever wanted is to be a wife and a mother, you, according to modern feminism, are a poor, sad victim of the patriarchy. Unquote. So, babe, um, you are currently a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I don't know if that's 
all you wanted to be. I mean, you got you got a nursing degree, you got a master's in nursing, you got a post-master's in certified nurse midwifery. So you have career aspirations that you have realized and are currently realizing uh, to an extent right now at the moment. But as a stay-at-home mom, too, would you say that if someone, if some woman, all she wants to be is a wife and a mother, or is she a poor, sad victim of the patriarchy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that just makes my blood cringe, (laughs) if your blood can cringe. Yikes. Yeah, I think it's really sad when you hear a lot of moms who are stay-at-home mothers, and they you ask them, what career do you have? Or what do you do? And they say, Oh, I'm just a mother. And just a mother, wow, a mother is a huge job, a huge responsibility. And yet we are infiltrated with this lie that being a mother is not good enough. And then we believe that lie. And we keep telling ourselves, I'm not enough. I'm just a mother. And there's this message that we hear all the time through these different feminist movements, especially that women can't be satisfied as a stay-at-home mom and that it's actually demeaning, insufficient, or even enslaving a woman if she stays at home. And I think that's totally the opposite of what it is to be a stay-at-home mom because we are investing in our future, And a lot of times, I think our society is so focused on seeing results here and now and in a career where you get a paycheck every two weeks or once a month, you get to see that. But as a mom, you're investing in eternity because you are investing in the lives of your children, in the life of your husband. And that is very meaningful and very valuable. And I just really, my heart goes out to these women. And I have to say that I'm kind of preaching to the choir because I have a hard time believing that frequently myself, that Mm -hmm. am I enough because I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, I mean, we can't underestimate the power of culture to influence our thinking, even if we don't agree with them. You know. But yes, you definitely made some good points there. And as uh, Faith says, continuing in this article, quote, being a stay-at-home mom can be just as rewarding, challenging, intellectually stimulating, fulfilling, and frustrating as an office job. And it comes with the added benefit of knowing that you're genuinely making a difference difference in someone's life, unquote. So motherhood, the bond that a mom has with her children is, you know, a bond that's lifelong and seeing their children grow, influencing them and raising the next generation of people who will make a difference in society is has got to be rewarding, even though it's definitely challenging. So I think it's interesting how you're saying like, okay, that this makes a difference in society. I found in an article by Jennifer Wright where she actually says, quote, the glorification of motherhood implies that a woman's main purpose is not to change the world. I am not really sure how she can say that because if we are influencing not only our children, but our grandchildren and me go on to see just the legacy that a mother leaves that is changing the world. Yes, uh, very telling there. Sweetheart. It's also interesting when you just think about it, you know, because basically this push by the modern feminist movement that the whole goal of a woman is to seek out a rewarding career, you know, and I have nothing against that. I want to reiterate that in any really endeavor, you know, I don't care if a, a woman is a better software developer than I am or or my boss. I've had a woman as a boss in the IT field and you know, I don't care. I don't feel challenged or threatened by that at all. Or as an executive or an entrepreneur, what have you, or even, you know, someone who is a construction worker and is better than the dudes, you know, I don't care. I, you know, it's, it's, it's good, you know, if they can make that work. But what I think is interesting is, you know, with the feminist push that, you know, a woman needs to climb the corporate ladder and to prove herself that that's got to be your goal is, 
a is a career goal over family yet most of these feminists have kind of left-leaning politics and they look at kind of the corporate world with disdain and want to you know kind of attack what they call capitalism so they have all these bad ideas about the evils of capitalism and materialism and stuff like that but i guess it's only evil until we get enough women in there to even the playing field and then i guess it won't be evil (laughs) so that's the idea that's answering the question is motherhood an obstacle holding back women's freedom with the idea that a woman's freedom is all about whether she can be a career woman then moving on to the next question is kind of an offshoot like a a kind of a flavor of feminism that kind of started to take root in the 2000s or the last decade is the idea of having it all and that that has a specific definition which will explain so the second question is should women seek to have it all And the idea of having it all, according to a particular flavor of feminism, is the idea that a woman can be both a full-time mother and a full-time worker. So, praising the idea of a working mom, that women should strive for both motherhood and a career. And so, is being a working mom all it's cracked up to be? Now, plenty make it work, and I praise any woman who can manage a full-time job and raise kids, you know, if that works for the family. So, the idea is that women should strive to be the perfect super mom who can brag about her wonderful family life to co-workers while ascending the corporate ladder. So, basically, she does everything. Is this something that's, you know, just having it all, like having kids and having a perfect full-time career really what every woman should strive for? Like, let me quote our benevolent President Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) That was said with sarcasm. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yes, from wh.gov so from the white house uh remarks by president biden at an event to mark equal pay day on march 24th 2021 president biden toward the end of his speech there said quote let me make one more point you know i've told my daughters granddaughters from the time they got old enough to understand what i was saying and i mean it that there's not a single thing a man can do that a woman can't do as well or better not a single thing unquote So the idea, according to Biden and to many feminists, is that women can do some things that men can't do, such as pregnancy, childbirth, nursing, and so on. But also, they are equal or superior to men in anything men can do. So basically, women are completely independent and autonomous. They don't really need men. Men are just optional in their life. They can be the sole parent. They can have children. They can be full-time moms and full-time career women and be better than men at careers. And some are. But is this really what every mother, every woman should strive for? Instead of what we looked at before where we just ignore motherhood and focus on a career we're looking at an offshoot of a type of feminism that says yes embrace motherhood and embrace a full-time career you can have it all and prove that you don't need men and that you know you can do everything you can balance everything because you're super uh so what do you think sweetheart oh goodness Yes, I think that there are, of course, some moms that can do this and do this very well, where they can be a mom and do their full-time work. Those are the types of moms that have lots of energy and 
it works for them. And so I think that we try to generalize a lot of this so much that every single woman has to do this or every person has to be like this. And it's not. It has to be the individual person. Like each person is so different in what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what stresses them out and what doesn't and what their family life is like. Is it more stressful to put your kids in school or is it more stressful to be at home with them? I think that we can't just say every single woman has to do this or wants to do it because I think that's generalizing it and I think that's also discrediting women in not seeing their individual value and the different uniqueness and gifts that they bring. And I think even expecting women to be like men and do things equally or even better than men is also discrediting women because we shouldn't be comparing women to men. They're totally different. So men and women are totally different and it's a disgrace to say that women have to be like men because we need to see and value women for being a woman and what she brings as a woman. Yes, we are. Not to mention just how much pressure and stress that puts on women that there's this image, this cultural image that they have to seek to prove themselves worthy. So rather than freeing them from the shackles of men, it's uh, it's putting a lot of pressure and stress and busyness on them. So I think this contributes a lot to our increased numbers of postpartum depression Mm -hmm. because we're requiring so much of moms really soon after they just have given birth to a baby. And then just general anxiety and depression among women is really high. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like you said, putting this intense pressure and expectations on women. And this is, for most women, this is kind of out of their realm. This is something that few women can take on doing both career and motherhood full-time, full force like that. And I know I have to be reminded frequently that I am not Wonder Woman. (laughs) I know that's a... You know, uh, a nickname I, for me. But, yeah, I do call you that. Yeah. <laughs> but like just reminding myself or having others remind me that that's not a realistic expectation. And so for wives or moms that are listening, just remember that God made you to do what you can and you don't have to put that expectation or that pressure on yourself to be more and be what others expect of you. And I think that's really hard, especially as a woman. And when you are a stay-at-home mom, you're thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. And that's not true. So just know that you are valued and that you do bring a lot. Amen. Excellent, sweetheart. And there's an article in the Huffington Post by a woman who I would think agrees with what you're saying here. Uh, a Christine Hassler in the Huffington Post in an article updated November 17th, 2011, called The Myth of Having It All. So Christine says, quote, somewhere along the path of the women's liberation movement, we began to buy into the belief that to be an empowered woman means we have to do everything that both men and women do. So instead of making choices, we have tried to fulfill both gender roles at the same time, unquote. And then later on, she says, quote, Instead of giving us a tremendous amount of freedom and opportunity, this concept of having it all has morphed into something that excuses putting so much on our plates that we are stressed out, burned out, and running out of time for ourselves and our loved ones every single day, unquote. So, in some aspects, feminism that is sought to liberate women has only, you know, shackled them with more (laughs) busyness, less rewarding and fulfillment, all in pursuit of a cultural image that they need not necessarily pursue. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I just listened to a webcast 
from an African woman. Um, She's a medical biologist, and she was talking about just the view of family and womanhood and what it is to be a mom in Africa. And she said that they actually kind of laugh at the idea that Western culture feels like we need to liberate women in Africa because she said to them, these African women, that they are more liberated than we are because they have a balance of career life, family life, being a mom, and it's actually respected in those countries. And she said that they have community that help come in and support them. And there's such a huge balance there that they are more free than she thinks we are in the Western culture. And yet we have the idea that we need to free them. So she, it was just funny to watch. We can put the link for her full webcast on your site too. It was really good. Yeah, nice. And at one of my uh, previous job, there was a, an African woman who was a database administrator. So she was super smart and she always seemed to be happy and have a kind of a fulfilled life. And I remember uh, one time when she was expecting a child and she was just glowing, you know, at the thought of that, where I've seen other people, you know, where it's like they're going to have a child and it's kind of, oops, you know, now I have to deal with this. How am I going to juggle this? And it didn't seem to cross her mind. You know, she went on maternity leave when the child was due and eventually came back to work and she was still glowing and you know I just thought that was wonderful you know she's Mm -hmm. happily married she has the kids she's balancing with her career and I think as you mentioned you know she has the support and so it's not like oh no my I'm gonna lose my career and I don't think she fell for this effort to have it all but in my mind you know she did have it all in (laughs) in her own you know balanced and liberated way Mm. so that's that was answering the second question so the first one is abandon motherhood focus on career the second one is have both (laughs) and now the third question is does equality because the idea here is about trying to make women equal with men in every respect and outcome and duty and role does equality mean politically managing the roles of father and mother so here we're going to look at how motherhood is something that some political elites, some radical feminists want to control in such a way, like kind of diminish uh, what motherhood is and diminish what fatherhood is, because the idea is that women and men should be equally represented in the workplace, earning equal money on the aggregate. Now, I want to say that I believe that anyone who does the same work should earn the same money. There should be no discrimination there. But so I want to bring up what a radical feminist by the name of Sarah Le Marcond said. I hope I'm pronouncing that. I think that's a French name there. In an article, uh, the dailytelegraph.com.au, so this is Australian, it's entitled, It Should Be Illegal to be a stay-at-home mum, mum, as I guess that's how they say mom in Australia, from March 21st, 2017. And so Miss Le says, rather than wail about the supposed liberation in a woman's right to choose to shun paid employment, we should make it a legal requirement that all parents of children or of school age or older are gainfully employed, unquote. So what she's saying is that, you know, yeah, the more moderate feminists are all about a woman's right to choose whether to be a mother or have a career or balance the two. Uh, she's saying, no, <laughs> women are most liberated when they don't have the choice because the goal is about equality of outcome here between men and women so she wants it to be a legal mandate that if a mother's youngest child is school age that means she had better get in gear and get uh, employed even if the family doesn't need the income there 
She also says, quote, only when it becomes the norm for all families to have both parents in paid employment and sharing the stress of the work-home juggle will we finally have a serious conversation about how to achieve a more balanced modern workplace, unquote. So this radical feminist thinks it should be a matter of law to force mothers to work when their kids are old enough to go to school. So let's think what that implies. In other words, forget homeschooling, which is what Chelsea and I do. That would be illegal. And uh, public schools, they would be obviously legally enforced. And all this because of an idealistic goal of equalizing the output and duties and experiences of men and women. There should be no gender distinctions there. Men and women should do the exact same things as close as possible, including the exact same workload, the exact same uh, home load, and it should be legally mandated. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. But it kind of makes sense because I think society definitely views mothers as consumers and taxpayers. So if they're just sitting at home, they're not contributing to the good of society because they're just sitting at home taking. And that's such a horrible and negative Mm -hmm. view of that. This article that I quoted earlier from Jennifer Wright, she even says um, that motherhood is not the most important job there is. It's not even technically a job insofar as it pays no money. It is more like a very demanding volunteer position that you can never, ever get out of, unquote. Sounds like, yeah, sounds like a nightmare there, according to her. (laughs) Um, But let's clear something up here. You know, uh, she says that motherhood is like a volunteer job. Uh, basically so the idea is that being a you know if you're a stay-at-home mom you're not paid you don't get the paycheck with the digits on it to tell you how much money you've earned so the idea there seems to be that mothers don't earn any money they're not paid at all so if being a mother is complete voluntary work like volunteer work with no pay in the economic sense then wouldn't a mother, you know, and her children starve because they're not being paid? I mean, yeah, sure, they don't get a paycheck from an employer with the numbers on it, but they're still being paid in an indirect way. Because um, so, if if a stay-at-home mom is a stay-at-home mom because she has a husband and a father of her kids who's working there, he's paying her. You know, now he might not be writing a check and saying, okay, here's your money to spend. She still does spend money that he earns. She still gets the money. You know, he, some of the money that he makes, he's working to care for the mother and the children. And, you know, so part of his money is her earnings, you know, for being a mother and she gets to spend it on, you know, her needs and her children's needs and the husband's needs too. But, you know, so she is getting paid. It's just not in the same direct way. (laughs) So, you know, it's not a volunteer job that has no pay. (laughs) Well, this article made me kind of think about the fact that, okay, even though I'm a stay-at-home mom right now, there's a good balance between the proactive side and Mm -hmm. the supportive side. Like, okay, yes, you're going out in the work field and actually getting the paycheck to bring in for a family. And then I'm in the background here looking up, okay, where's the best price for groceries and how do we do monthly budgeting and meal planning? so we can make the most of our income and like schooling our kids so we can save money there. I was looking up like how much it would be to put our kids because we have four kids and for our kids to go in school and daycare, it would cost us about $50,000 a year. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Yes. And thinking about all the other small details that would go up if we were both working parents and we have our kids in school, we have increased probably eating out expenses and our groceries could potentially be higher because I wouldn't have time to find all the (laughs) good deals or 
we would have an increased um, rate of sickness in our family because our kids would be in school and being exposed to more sicknesses than we have right now. We would probably have to take more time off of work because of that. And we have more expenses with school, like school uniforms or sports equipment, things like that. Our gas price would increase. Like there are just so many parts of it where we can really help balance each other out and be a team instead of this whole, like we both have to be on the same path of bringing in the paycheck. We complement each other in that. And I know like this is us and yes. how what works for us. Mm-hmm. I know that there's different ways that families do this, of course, too. And just finding, again, not trying to generalize this has to work for everyone, but what works for you and your spouse and your family. Yes, very, very good points there, sweetheart. So it's like it depends on the career and the flexibility that people have and the earnings that people have from their career. So as you've calculated things, it depends on what the job is, especially for the mom. If she's not earning enough for her full-time job, then it pretty much amounts to more stress, more busyness. The kids get less uh, attention from their parents Uh, you know, juggling them around with school and picking them up or daycare or other things like that. And everyone's working harder. But if you factor in the expenses, if you're not earning enough with the two incomes to cover that, you're really losing out on that. And so, yeah, we're not saying that this is a rule that every family has to follow, that the husband works full time and the wife or the as the mom is a stay at home mom, you know, it works for some families, um, some other families can make it work with two incomes and it it works well for them. But, you know, you just got to calculate things and figure out what's best for your family as far as time and expenses and income. When I was first working as a nurse, my salary was 52,000 a year. Like, okay, it costs us at baseline 50000 to put our kids in school and daycare so I would be able to work as a nurse in the hospital again. I'd only be making $2,000 a year <laughs> on top of that. And that's, yeah, well, I wouldn't even be making that because that's pre-tax. So oh, yeah. we would be in the <laughs> hole. <laughs> Whoops, yeah, let's not go with that plan. I like our plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, calculating and budgeting things out like that definitely helps to see where the value is depending on the situation. So uh, let me look at another quote from another uh, article here. This is actually from the UK, Kathy Jingel, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> and the article is entitled Mrs. May's War on Motherhood. So Mrs. May is, uh, you know, a radical feminist here. This article's uh, from April 9th, 2018 from conservativewoman.co.uk. It says, quote, fathers who want or plan to be their family's main breadwinner can forget it. They are to be surrogate mothers instead. As for mothers who want to be full-time mothers, even for a year, too bad. I guess this Mrs. May (laughs) doesn't like the idea of women being mothers at home, even for a temper, you know, a short time for like for a year. It's going to be 50-50 childcare or else, regardless of baby's real needs. And all this to iron out a pay gap, which exists only insofar as it reflects women's exercise of choice to be mothers, unquote. So, yeah, this article's replying to another radical feminist who despises motherhood and despises how motherhood affects the equality of men and women, you know, seeking careers. And she wants to get fathers and mothers having equal duty, exactly the same amount when it comes to handling uh, children. You know, and I say fathers need to be involved in their children, help out their wives, help out the mothers with children. I'm not, you know, by saying that a father is a full-time career, that doesn't mean that he's totally absent from the family. You know, when he gets home, he better help out where he can, wash dishes, cook as necessary, you know, play with the kids, all of that. You know, think about how busy, you know, if his wife's a stay-at-home mother, help out when he gets 
gets home. <laughs> and that's what I hope I do. I try to do as much as I can. <laughs> you do. And I definitely appreciate that about you because I've you know grown up and have seen in family homes where the father is demanding of the wife and expecting like, okay, dinner needs to be on the table when I get home. And I'm just going to go sit in the chair while you go to work. And that was really hard for me to adjust my thinking being a mom and a wife that it's okay if I can't get dinner on the table because I had kids sick or they were throwing a fit when I needed to get dinner done. And you are a great husband and dad and you just jump right in. You're like, all right, what needs to be done? And you help finish. And I think that's very rare, but I'm so lucky that I get to have that in you. So thank you. Yeah. Glad to help where I can. Thank you, sweetheart, for recognizing what I try to do to help out. (laughs) So in this article, it mentions ironing out a pay gap. So I just want a quick look at this whole idea of uh, a gender pay gap because it's something that feminists bring up with their aspirations of liberating women to be full-time career women and trying to get all duties, career and home, exactly equal between men and women, between mothers and fathers. And one of the things that they use to measure the inequality is this gender pay gap. So the gender pay gap is a hot button issue in politics. And every year it gets recognized on what's called equal pay day. So this year, uh, equal pay day fell on March 24th. So uh, equal pay day is supposedly the day when women start to earn money for the year when measured against what men earn. The idea is that you take the average aggregate earnings of all men working full time, in quotes, and compare it with the average aggregate earnings of all women working full time, in quotes, and then you mind the gap, to quote a common phrase in the UK. (laughs) So that's the idea of the gender pay gap. And according to payscale.com, the state of the gender pay gap in 2021, they say on average, in 2021 now, women working full time earn 82% of what men earn working full time in the aggregate. Now, they they might not always explain that. They want you to think things through like, wait, so a woman doing a certain job and and another man doing the exact same job, like she's only getting paid 82% of what the man's getting paid? So there are plenty of problems and misunderstandings about these aggregates. Many just assume it means women earn 82 cents for every dollar a man earns for doing the exact same work. But that's not what this gender pay gap means or what it was originally intended to mean. But they don't mind if people misunderstand it this way. But if you disaggregate these statistics, you know, you break them down into certain categories, you see that never married men and never married women pretty much really have no gap. Uh, There's also the issue that full time means 35 hours per week or more. Now, that's quite a big bucket there. And rarely do men work a job that's less than 40 hours. But, you know, so someone working 80 hours a week would still be lumped in with the criteria of working full time. And uh, if you look at the number of hours worked, on average, men work more hours. So wouldn't working more hours factor into how much you earn? If not, wouldn't there be an injustice? (laughs) You know, um, you're not getting paid for your work. So why would men on average work more hours? Probably because of the most important factor in the wage gap, married men and women with children. That is the single biggest factor in this aggregated wage gap. When a married couple have children, that tends to affect the woman's earnings. You know, pregnancy and early child care require time off work. 
and sometimes this time frame is uncertain, and careers can be stalled or dropped, and women often choose careers that allow them to nurture people and give more flexibility for childcare. So there are the, some of the factor, of course, is the choices that men and women make as far as college majors. Now, you know, Chelsea, you got nursing degrees, and that's a, you know, a more higher paying and a laudable, you know, choice of career. But, you know, there are more women who pick majors like early childhood education or social work and stuff, you know, not saying those aren't needed and stuff like that. They're, you know, not saying that those aren't worthy career options, but it's just supply and demand. There's a lot of competition uh, because there are a lot of women who pick those majors and so therefore they don't pay as much and proportionately there are many more men who pick jobs like engineering and stuff like that there are comparatively very few women who pick engineering and it's not that's not necessarily to say oh it's because women just can't hack it It, the factor is that it's ingrained into more men to seek careers where they're thinking of getting married being a father and they want to provide for a family and then there's more women who pick career options that allow them to be you know more flexible with family life and they pick careers that deal more with people and they want jobs that allow them to take necessary time off or you know things like pregnancy and child care so it's there is no knock on anyone here the point i'm making is that the gender wage gap is mostly factored in when it comes to fatherhood and motherhood but when people talk about the gender wage gap they don't really mention that factor they just act like there's some kind of injustice by the patriarchy so given that, dispelling the myths of the gender pay gap, yes, there is a gap, but it's what it means that matters. Um, let's move on to the next question. What effects does the war on motherhood have on children? So going back to Mrs. May's War on Motherhood, the article there, the writer says, quote, Mrs. May could not devalue motherhood more. Saying it is transferable and replaceable by the father is to deny, as radical feminists always have, the baby's unique need for its mother and the mother's unique ability to meet that need. A mother is not replaceable to a baby. Breastfeeding is the most obvious expression of this. A baby's cries on being parted from his mother until resignation sets in tell their own story. So, too, does a mother's pain and palpable discomfort at being parted from her baby too soon or for too long. These are biological mechanisms designed to protect offspring, which our feminist society perversely urges mothers to ignore." It mentioned mothers being parted from their babies and stuff. So when you have two full-time careered parents who have children, what's the most common thing that results in that? Daycare. So what about daycare? Well, from the same article, quote, Neuroscience research measuring babies' cortisol, the stress hormone, levels, has given new insight into the original theory, not that we should need it. It is obvious, the more a mother touches and holds her baby, the less stressed he will be, and the reverse. And yes, babies' cortisol levels are raised in daycare settings, something that can impact on brain and emotional development, unquote. So, when there's this goal that mothers should just focus on career, there is the consideration of what about the children? You know, that is a political question. You know, has, will someone please think of the children? <laughs> and um, daycare, by plenty of studies, does cause more stress in children. And it may, it may be because of extended periods of being separated from the mother, you know, where children that age need their mother uh, for comfort. But their stress hormone, cortisol, levels normally go up in the morning, but daycare may 
makes cortisol levels go up longer for children in daycare. Now, I'm not saying, therefore, daycare is evil, you know, in and of itself. And parents who are in unfortunate situations where they have to take their kids to daycare, thinking of like single working moms, you know, I'm not, I don't want to put you down and make you feel bad, but just keep that in mind. I know I briefly saw, um, I don't have the article for this, but I remember reading somewhere that there was a study about children all the way up to the age of three, that their emotional development is so crucial and their sense of security those first three years that they suggested moms actually stay at home for the first three years. And it's interesting because we're saying, okay, moms need to be back at work full time six weeks after delivery. Some places will go as long as eight weeks. It's like, okay, the first six weeks, your breast milk is still trying to regulate. Your hormones are still trying to regulate. Your body's still trying to heal from just giving birth to a baby. And now you're expected to go full force back into the work situation. And then that's when your hormones are going to really go crazy. And you see the postpartum depression symptoms start coming up. And one thing that I remember you pointed out too, babe, was that holding the babies helps decrease the mother's cortisol levels as well Mm. and helps her with stress and helps her with anxiety. So just that mom and baby bonding that is so special and so unique that it's really hard to replace that. So, I mean, kind of like the idea of breastfeeding, not every mom can breastfeed. Not every mom can stay at home and take care of her children either, but these are just some of the studies that we're seeing that show this is a better way. And (laughs) I know, um, like you said, like we just want to make sure we're not trying to put down anyone. Of course, we definitely understand that there are those different situations. And one of the verses that this whole topic reminds me of comes from Isaiah 49, 15. It says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Just even the Bible talks about just that unique bond that the mom and baby has. And when you have to tear away and almost you feel like you have to forget about that baby while you go to the workplace is so contrary to how God made us. Yes, so you are. And I have a a similar verse from Isaiah about this. Isaiah 66, 13, and God is talking to Israel. He says, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So Mm -hmm. God is giving Israel the promise that he would comfort them as a mother comforts her little children. And obviously that's something they want. And so the comfort that a mother brings to children is like the comfort that God brings. So God ordained this as a reflection of his attributes as men and women are made in the image of God. So quickly, I want to get to the last question. (laughs) What effects does the war on motherhood have on fathers? So (laughs) it's the idea that women, as we saw before, don't really need men. They can Uh, They can do anything men can do, if not better. But what about the men themselves, if that's the case? Uh, Men do need a civilizing purpose, and they get this purpose through the civilizing influence of women. And women as wives and mothers, as nurturers, bring civilization to men. So if we want to take men out of the picture and reduce their role in the family to supplement and allow women to be wives and mothers, do we want men as selfish barbarians objectifying women and serving only themselves? Or do we want men to use their biologically average uh, higher strength and resolve to serve their wife and children? We want to give them a goal to serve and provide for other people, such as a woman that they love and the children that they have together. So put the work of men to good use by granting them fatherhood for the sake of others and not just themselves. And radical feminism turns men into the stereotype that they despise. Mm. So I want to conclude with some verses about motherhood. 
Uh, so the Bible does present the mother as like a mama bear. <laughs> so Proverbs seventeen twelve uh, says, Let a bear robbed of her whelps or her cubs meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. So you think of the, you know, we have the expression mama bear because a mother, a human mother of children is going to be like a bear mother of her cubs. And you don't want to offend the children or harm the children or, you know, the mom is going to get you. (laughs) So to me, that is just exactly why I think abortion is so anti-nature of how a woman is and how God made her because we are made to want to protect our children at any cost. Like we will actually lay down our life for our children because there's just something in us that wants to protect them. And abortion is harming your child that's inside of you. And I think that's what is really hard for women that are struggling with the post-abortion symptoms. They struggle with that because the abortion is so against how they're actually made. Yes, amen, sweetheart. Abortion, depression, and the effects of taking away the bond between mothers and their children and giving them the false notion that it is their duty to seek career at all costs, including the costs of their bond with children, throwing them in daycare, throwing them in school and not seeing them as as much as both mothers and children need to see each other and And we wonder why kids grow up really to only care for themselves because they've had to fight just for their own selves (laughs) from being an early child they haven't had the care and nurture from a mother that they desperately need as children so they've had to care for themselves a lot and so then you know we wonder why when they become teenagers or adults they're seeking their own interests at the expense of others because they've had to fight they've had to do that all their lives so how much do children need loving mothers uh, the psalmist said in Psalm thirty-five, fourteen, I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. And so even the adult David, King David, recognized that, you know, he's still like that child inside and he still thought about his mother as the one who keeps him safe, protects him and nurtures him. And that's the bond that children need with their mothers. And so we want to thank God for the role of motherhood that he's given to women. And that's something that women should cherish and dads and fathers help them cherish that don't shield yourselves from it don't denigrate it don't make it more difficult for them it's a challenge for sure you know sleepless nights days that are just filled with busily caring for children who (laughs) may not even know how to say thank you as they're whining and crying and throwing fits and yes it's it's a challenge for sure it's a Uh, But for this war on motherhood and appreciating motherhood, I want to make the challenge to dads, you know, recognize it for the value that it is and the challenge that it is. And I encourage you to support your wife, support the mother, help her with that duty as much as you can and provide for your wife and children like a good father because we value the motherhood that God has created and demonstrated the value of in his word. I think it's interesting in First Corinthians 13, um, where it's talking about all the different attributes of love, and it says that love is not self-seeking. So I think that is really important as a husband and wife, as parents, that because of love, we are not seeking our own interests over being in that role of husband, wife, mom, dad. We are actually making sure we're meeting our children's needs, making sure we're meeting our spouse's needs and not self-seeking. That's because we love each other. We love our children. And the last verse I just wanted to share was my favorite verse. It's up on our wall. Psalm 127 verse 3, it says, children are a heritage or a blessing from the Lord. And just really remembering and cherishing that God's greatest gift to us as parents on earth are our children because we get to pour into their lives God's truth and 
watch them grow and um, hopefully serve God when they're older. Like what a tremendous blessing that is as parents to be a part of that and that God has allowed us to have these children that we can pour into their hearts and I love um, that verse and just remembering that they're a blessing and unfortunately our society views children as a burden or a problem and something that gets in your way of pursuing your career or pursuing your degree and then that's not love because that's self-seeking. So I just wanted to share those two verses. Oh, amen, sweetheart. So I want to wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day and know that the role of a mother is special, designed by God, and we want to recognize that and cherish that. And don't let anyone tell you that motherhood is low on the totem pole, is something to be sacrificed for other interests or something that you have to apologize for, something that's a trap. Cherish it. You have this one life by God, and there's just nothing more special than motherhood and don't let anyone convince you otherwise whether you are a stay-at-home mom a part-time working mom or a full-time mom or even a single mom just know that your children are a blessing they're a challenge but a blessing for sure and (laughs) and But motherhood is something that you cannot replace with anything else. Even the most rewarding career can never be as valuable as motherhood. You know, material things pass away, but the investment that you mothers make in the lives of children, passing on values to the next generation that will go on to the next generation, is something that can never be replaced by a temporary thing like a particular career for yourself. (laughs) Not saying don't pursue it, but motherhood is special and so hope you enjoyed this uh, episode on the war on motherhood and hope we've uh, said some things that uh, you could take to heart and happy mother's day happy mother's day to those mamas out there Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 